Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the My First Gig Podcast. Whoa. Sharing stories of first gigs and shows. Are you there? Are you still there? Of course you're still there. We're all still here. Who's going mad? Hands up. Hello and welcome to another edition of the My First Gig podcast. I am Dwayne Dugan, your host. We're still here. Still trying to avoid and combat this crazy thing going on in the world. Wherever you are, I hope you're doing okay. I'll be honest, it's getting to me today. I can't even tell you what I'm missing. It's not like, oh, I'm missing this or I'm missing that. You know, I spent last weekend... One night playing football manager online with my mate Darren, having a few beers, listening to some songs we like. And then the other night, my mate Sean Boy put on a quiz. A lot of us all in there. I won the quiz, by the way. And we had a fun time. You know, felt like we're hanging out with people. So, like, obviously, you'd love to go hang out. But those were, like, really fun nights that were very simple, but just making use of the time and the space and the resources that we have and putting in a bit of effort to enjoy ourselves and it was a lot of fun so like on one hand i'm very thankful for that but another i just is it like stir crazy or something i don't know i'm i I keep picturing georgia street in dublin for some reason i'm obviously i'm still down in cork down in cove been at my mother's house for the last month thankfully my girlfriend's been down here for the last two weeks now right before they shut us all down we went up to dublin and got her and you know you're feeling very handcuffed at the moment whatever you're doing to cope or wherever you are hope you're doing all right if you're listening to this, thanks for choosing the My First Gig podcast to give you a bit of relief. Coming up to Easter this week, at the time of release. I don't know too much about Easter. Obviously, I know the general things is that it's religious in the Catholic sense. Or maybe it's all senses, I don't really know. But also the whole Easter eggs and Easter bunny and all that. So I, I, I decided to look up. I like to teach you a few things. You know, I am a teacher of the world. Before we start a podcast, and I just wanted to find out why the eggs and why the bunny. So, apparently, it started with eggs because eggs are a sign of fertility and have been for a very long time. Not to mention, I don't know, eggs are all part of that reproductive thing. I don't know. That shows my knowledge. And fertility and new life, and that symbolizes Jesus rising from the dead. So, that's where eggs come in. So, for years, you would decorate eggs, you'd paint them. First, you'd paint them the blood color blood red to symbolize jesus and then it became more creative and decorative but the thing was is that you had to paint your eggs for a couple of weeks during this time called lent and therefore you couldn't eat your eggs so children would go around knocking door to door asking for eggs the night before lent and pig out on the eggs and then they'd go decorate eggs for lent and then come easter sunday they'd eat all their eggs apparently in germany they eat the decorative ones 
thankfully, in modern times, we've changed from actual eggs to chocolate eggs. Because unless you're rocky, who wants to wake up and suddenly goes, oh, we can eat eggs again? Like, I've never eaten eggs. I'm a very fussy eater anyway. But even as a baby, the one thing I ever never ate is eggs. So going off eggs for Lent, I've done it 32 times. I don't care. And that got me thinking about Jesus rising from the dead. Now, I don't want to blaspheme insulting anybody, but they talk about Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, he's killed on the Thursday to Friday. Good Friday, maybe. And then come Sunday, he rose from the dead. And he was seen for a few days. I was like, what? What happened then? You know, we, we hear about him dying, but if he came back, what did he do then? Was it like, take that? Second time round, patience, shine, rule the world. Uh, I don't know. It kind of just said that he told all the lads to remain in Jerusalem and to wait there. But it didn't say like if he came back or if that's the second coming that we're waiting for. If so, those lads are still waiting. I I, I do like that because it doesn't even describe it. But if you just Google what did Jesus do after he resurrected, Google has answers like questions and answers on little drop-downs. And if you click one, it says he made, Matthew said that he made two appearances, one to Mary Magdalene, and then this is how it says it, and one to, inverted commas, the other Mary. Google with a bit of shade there to Mary, mother of God, the other Mary, in inverted commas, as if she doesn't exist. But that's like every mother would be to like the woman who came and took her child away. So yeah, that's... Is that interesting? I don't know. It seems far more. Maybe the notes made me the notes made me far more robotic today. So if that wasn't interesting, I'm sorry. My guest today is Adam Caton Holland, very funny comedian out of Denver, Colorado. I met Adam a couple of years ago. Could have been 2017. Could have been 2018 at the Vodafone Comedy Festival. He was part of a big array of comics that come over here. That's one thing I'm worried about now. Maybe if you're in Ireland, if you're in Dublin, and you enjoy the Vodafone Comedy Festival, yeah. Be hard to imagine that going ahead this year, which is a shame. It's the best weekend of the year. But I met Adam a few years ago and reached out to him last week to see if he wanted to have a chat about his first gig. I'll always remember the first time I saw his name written down and I couldn't not compare Adam Caton Holland to Adam Clayton. And even now when I'm saying it, I have to make sure I don't say Clayton. And that's no disrespect to, to him. It's just I'm a big, big U2 fan. So I've just been saying Adam Clayton my entire life and I know even just saying that out loud now you go well they're different names you know I've been going around saying sausages every day but you know when I look at a car I can go oh Prius but just they're similar they're very there's one letter missing that makes a difference so that's just showing you how dumb my brain is I'm gonna stop talking because I don't want to keep showing you how dumb I am I'm gonna show you how interesting and fun Adam Caton Holland is so guys stay inside it's sunny right now when I record this the Wednesday before easter if you have a back garden go and head outside pop in your headphones your airpods your earphones your beats give me some free headphones but first sit back relax and listen to my first gig with adam caton holland i'm luckier than most i got a house with a backyard and i got a adorable 17 year old boy and so me and my wife are just playing with the kiddo and trying to not go crazy with varying degrees of success. Very nice. Uh, any any, uh, any creative outlets or things keeping yourself busy? You know, I'm trying, but I don't know if you're finding like, you know, I got little projects I'm tinkering on, a screenplay here, a script there, but I'm very uninspired. 
And it kind of seems like hard in the wave of this biblical global pandemic to be like my screenplay, but uh, I'm trying to chip away at stuff. I made a funny little video of me doing a joke around the house and, you know, just whatever pathetic measures us comics can do to have people look at us for a moment. Yeah. On one of the more recent chats, we were chatting about like how are gigs going to go back to normal afterwards. And you think this is something that everybody's going through. So when you think about the fact that everybody has experienced this, we're all kind of reevaluating what's going on in the world. What's our perspective is changing on what matters and stuff. Like, so going back out there and trying to, you know, evoke emotions for what are generally quite trivial things. Right. It's going to be quite a, it's going to be quite a, I think a a lot different kind of a playing field than we're used to, I'd say. I think so. But I think, you know, outside of germophobia, I think there will be a desire for normalcy and, you know, intimacy and and camaraderie, which is comedy. You know, after in America, the only thing I can liken it to is September 11th and after that, you know, nobody was hoping that you'd go to the comedy club and people would be like, here's all my 9-11 jokes. Mm. It's more just like, oh, just tell us jokes to pass the time. Like, we're happy to hear them. You know what I mean? So I think hopefully it'll be just kind of people will be excited for a night out and to think about other stuff. Yeah. No, that sounds good. That's a, that's a bit encouraging because it's, it's who knows where, where we're going or what's next. But um, yeah, I like that. It all depends. It all remains to be seen. But if we get any prolonged periods of like okay we've got a herd immunity or it's not coming back as hard or we learn that stuff i think we'll keep hand washing we'll be a little skeptical but i bet within a month people are hugging and sitting right next to each other and and back to normal as long as we've kind of gotten through it do you think you're going to keep up washing your hands afterwards or are you going to drop it oh dude definitely (laughs) and i went to walgreens which is kind of like a gross pharmacy over here today for children's Tylenol and I have a little mask so I was like why not now's the time I've never worn a mask when's a better time and uh (laughs) and I was like oh I'm never going into Walgreens without a mask again I should have just been doing this the whole time yeah every time I come in and out of the house and wash my hands I'm like how little was I doing this before because it's an effort and I'm remembering it now I was like I must have been a filthy human being two (laughs) months ago Yes, hopefully we get back to cleanliness and that, and that's all said and done. But uh, strange times indeed. Chat about your first gig today. And before we do, I want to ask you what your first memory of comedy is. When I say the word comedy to you, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Honestly, I think um, David Letterman, the, the late night host. That was the first time that I was like taken aback by how different and funny someone was. And I was pretty young. I was probably like nine or 10. And I just remember thinking, that guy's weird in a really, really good way. And I want to be like that. <laughs> so, and, I, and he also did like top 10 lists. Hmm. And I convinced my parents to let me stay up late enough through the top 10 list. So I could watch his opening monologue. And then he'd do some weird segment. And then it'd be the top 10. And then it was like time for Adam to go to bed. So I think Dave Letterman was the first one that I just was like, there's there's an aura of comedy about this guy that I'm intrigued by. And if we if we spoke about live comedy, then obviously he'd have like short sets and stuff at the end of the shows. Would that have been where you first experienced kind of stand-up comedy in its stricter form? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, this is like, <laughs> you know, didn't stand the test of time. But I remember also my dad had a cassette tape of Bill Cosby's fatherhood, which is a 
hell of an album, regardless of what happened to Bill Cosby. But now I can't listen to it because it's just, I can't separate the art from the artist. But we used to listen to that on road trips and I would die laughing. But I'm not your tr- typical stand-up. I wasn't, I didn't grow up worshiping at the altar of stand-up. I definitely liked humor and comedy, The Simpsons and, you know, Shel Silverstein, Calvin and Hobbes, all those things I found humor in. But I wasn't like watching stand-up all the time. It, it came to me late. Calvin and Hobbes, that's something that's not been mentioned before. And I, I probably haven't thought about it in about 20 years or so. I used to love those books. They were great. Yeah, man. Calvin and Hobbes and The Far Side. I used to, you know, people say I used to read comic books and, they, and they're like, oh, cool, X-Men and Batman. I read comic strips <laughs> in the newspaper. Yeah. Uh, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly. And, and my two favorite were Calvin and Hobbes and The Far Side. And my parents would buy me, you know, books, collections of those strips. And I would just read them back. and I'd read them again and again and again and again. So I think that got kind of somewhere in my comedy DNA. Yeah, as you say, you weren't like kind of, you know, worshipping at the altar of stand-up. So like, when do you first see stand-up live in person? Is it when you're thinking about doing it or maybe even when you are doing it? Yeah, kind of. So I definitely loved comedy and I, I wrote for news. I wrote like a satire paper in college and I loved The Onion and I loved, you know, funny movies and The Simpsons. I thought I'd be a comedy writer. I never thought I'd be up there on the stage. But I didn't really know how to do any of that. So when I graduated from college, I was sort of floundering a bit. And I was just like, well, you like comedy. How you want? How are you going to get into comedy? And I knew of a school called Second City, which is like in Chicago. And a lot of people that went to Saturday Night Live came out of Second City. It's like an improv and sketch comedy school. And my sister lived in Chicago. So I just went and lived with her, crashed on her floor for eight months and took classes at Second City with of improv and, and sketch and didn't really love either of them. But I started going to comedy open mics in Chicago and I was like, okay, I was just intrigued by it. Then I got a job opportunity back home in Denver, Colorado to write for a newspaper. Came back, was out at a bar one night and I met, who's now my best friend, a, a guy, Ben Roy, who uh, he's, he told me he did stand-up comedy. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. And I, I just never met anyone personally who'd done stand-up. And he was just a normal dude. He had tattoos. He looked like a punk rock kid. And I think in my head, I thought of stand-up as kind of lame. I thought of it as like dudes in sports coats in front of a brick wall. It just didn't seem cool to me. But then this guy was cool. And he was like, I do stand-up. And I was like, where? And he told me about a dive bar that had an open mic. And uh, a week later, I went and checked it out. So when you when you sign up for the class, stand up isn't in mind or a goal at all. It's it's purely to you know, I guess, just start opening some doors or even your mind in in certain ways in comedy. Yeah, I think so. I think I was just like intrigued by comedy, but I didn't know how I could fit into it. You know, just the vague concept of humor and comedy. I, I wanted in, but I didn't know how, and so I was orbiting stand up. I think getting closer and closer all the time. But the Chicago sketch and improv was not, it didn't light a fire in me the way I could see it lighting a fire in the other students. I was just sort of something I was doing because I didn't know what else to do. Um, But when I went to that first open mic in Denver, uh, when I saw that, I was like, okay, this is, this might be it. And the reason I thought it might be it is because, you know, you're a comic, you know, open mics, but to those of you that don't like, you go 
And there's the three or four funny people, including my friend Ben. He was funny. And then there's a parade of delusional assholes who are so bad <laughs> and maybe mentally ill and uncomfortable and terrible. And so you just watch that. And, you're, and I remember watching it and I was like, oh, there's no way, even having never tried this, that I'm not funnier than 85% of these people. I guarantee it. And so I just, watching bad comedy made me realize maybe I could do it because I knew I wouldn't be that bad. It's funny how often that is someone's story. I say a classic question would be like, oh, who would be some of your inspirations? And like a lot of people would have to put their hand in the heart and go, it would be dreadful comedians that I couldn't rename. Yeah. Yeah, the guy that threw up on the Bible into a bucket one time, that that guy, he's my inspiration. <laughs> Is that a, that that was a real bit, was it? I saw I saw a guy do that. In fact, it was later on when I was like hosting the mic cuz my friend was out of town and I hosted it for him. And the dude came on stage. And you could tell he was unhinged and he did a couple of minutes and then his like closer was he put a Bible in a bucket and he made himself throw up on it and i took the mic i was like nah dude we're not doing your performance awful art here go go somewhere else that's fascinating if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door go to blue and use promo code listen to get 50 dollars off your purchase of 500 dollars or more that's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you were doing the improv and the sketch, did you do any shows with that? Or was that just in the classes and... It was just classes because, you know, Second City is like this factory yeah. and they make you take level one, two, three, four, five so they can get your money and you don't even get, unless you're, you know, Chris Farley or something, you're not blowing past those courses 
onto the main stage. You got to go through their uh, their program there. What about like even high school or college? Is there is there any kind of performance backgrounds at all? Like even even briefly, or is getting ready for this first set? Is this your first foray into performing in front of people? I mean, nothing. I didn't do any any acting, no theater. I wrote for the newspaper in high school. I was like, and, it, and my friends and I would write humor pages. You know, and one time in middle school, we had like a we had to each give a speech. Um, I went to a small private school. There's probably sixty kids in my class. And every week at assembly, one of the kids had to give a two-minute presentation because they just thought we should have public speaking under our belt. And I remember I did, I wrote a top 10 list. I wrote a Letterman top 10 list. And I was like a wallflower, kind of picked on, but my top 10 list crushed. It did so well. And everybody hated that. You know, we're like seventh graders who wants to go speak in front of the class for two minutes. People dreaded that experience. But I was like ready for it. And I wrote that top 10 and it just destroyed. And for the next day, I was like newly popular. And of course it went away and I was back at the loser's table real quick. <laughs> but for like, for a 24 hour period, they're like, oh, Adam's funny. And I, I filed that away somewhere real deep. First gig almost. Yeah, right. That's my, that's my first gig and it went great. <laughs> so yeah, so you go to this open mic with your friend Ben. Yeah. You see all the terrible people. You see the few funny people. Is it that first night that you think maybe I might give this a go or is it, is it taking a while? I mean, I, clearly, I, like I said, I'd been orbiting it. Then I met Ben. Then I was intrigued enough to go to the open mic. And, you know, these are not like normal people at the time didn't go to these things. There's probably 20 people in a bar that you know, the windows are covered in flyers. There's no natural light. It's like a dank, dark place called the lion's lair. I was clearly, you know, <laughs> quite intrigued. But so I watched those people go and do terribly. And it was on Monday nights. The mic started at 11 wow. on Monday nights. And, uh, you know, bars close at two around here. It's you're, you're a committed individual if you're going to this thing. And so I went the next week and had material and was ready to go. And I had, um, I had memorized it. I had like looked in the mirror, like Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker all week long, just getting ready. And so I went to the mic and, you know, it started, it happened. People went up, did well, did poorly. And then it was my turn. And it, it sounds hyperbolic, but I kid you not. He's like, all right, this next guy's brand new. Give him, give him a shot. And I went out there and I blacked out. 100% blacked out. I don't remember any of it. And then I, the next thing I know, I was like coming to and I was getting off the stage and the MC was like, hey man, good job. And people were like tepidly applauding. And I was like, I guess I did okay. <laughs> <laughs> if that, if you blacked out, I guess that's the end of all of the questions. <laughs> and I haven't remembered a thing in the last 16 years. <laughs> but you know what's funny is like, it's so anthropological when you're starting. You're so intrigued by the scene and you're studying everything. And I remember the week before when I had just watched, I'd watch new guys go up and I could see the reception they would get from the regulars based off their performance. And I remember very clearly watching a new guy go up and do okay. And then the regular guys around the mic and the MC were like, hey man, good job. And sort of welcomed him into the fold a little bit, like want a beer or whatever. Uh, and I remember seeing another guy who did terribly and he was just shunned oh. and they wanted nothing to do with him. And so I saw quickly that, you know, 
this is an exclusive club. Laughter is the price of entry. So when I when I got up the next week and got laughs, or at least I got off stage and was told I got laughs, then those people sort of welcomed me. And you know, I remember one guy being like, "You should sign up at the club downtown. It takes at least two months to get on. You should sign up now." You know, just like sort of starting to tell you the lay of the land a little bit. So it was very cool to be like, "Oh, I guess I passed the test amongst this." group of 25 broken individuals but i did that resonates i remember i remember those exact same moments as well you know the kind of seeing the other people get the approval and like especially when you're there and you want to do well and you see the people who at least to you at the time are doing well the pat on the back from them means a lot right but so you go that first week and you come back the second week with material is that material generated in that week or is it stuff that's kind of been been thrown around somewhere you know, I always kept notebooks and stuff. And I think I would kind of write down bits before I even knew they were bits. I think in my head, I thought maybe this will be a good little piece of dialogue in a movie or something sometime. Um, so I had a few things churning. You know, you always do the early rookie. I look like this. My name sounds like this. You know, just the sort of beginner comedy uh, steps you go through. But I had a few bits that I think had been probably in my head for years, but I remember I was so green. I didn't know that you needed to work on those bits and make them better. So the next week I had all new stuff. Then the next week I had all new stuff. I I thought you just always brought new stuff. And it wasn't until maybe six months in that somebody pulled me aside and was like, hey man, you're all right. You should work on those other older jokes and make them better. And I was like, oh, I, didn't, I thought that was against the rules or something. I didn't know. Yeah, that's that's actually something that hasn't been touched on before, but is I, I see it all the time, especially with new comics coming through. They almost don't want to bore you with something that you've heard before, so they always come back with something new. I think it's part of that same wanting to belong to the group like we're talking about. And so when you get that sort of your first foray in and they're like, you're all right, buddy, we like you, you want to keep impressing them. So you don't want to tell them the same jokes the next week because it's always the same collection of characters at a mic. And you want to wow them continually. So yeah, it takes someone pulling you aside, a, a veteran, and saying, hey, this isn't how comedy works. You're supposed to edit and tweak and perfect. Yeah, because it took such, such a long time for someone to do the same to me. And then I look back now being like, hold on, I wrote like an extra, a new five minutes probably every Tuesday and Thursday for about six months. I couldn't do that now. <laughs> I know. We had, I had two new hours in my first six months. <laughs> It's of, of utter dog shit. <laughs> it's crazy. You've been writing ideas for, say, whether it's the kind of the, the satirical paper or ideas for maybe dialogue in a film or something like that, or a, a kind of a piece. How how did you approach writing this? I'm guessing about five minutes you were doing. Yeah, yeah. I think I just sort of, I don't know. I, I think it was very formulaic. You know, A plus B equals C, but maybe D. <laughs> you know, like I think it was just very rote material. Um, I don't think I was, you know, aping anybody in particular. But then I would start getting albums. I remember I got a Dave Attell album really early. And surprise, for two weeks, I sounded like Dave Attell. <laughs> I remember I got a Mitch Hedberg album. And what do you know? I'm doing one-liner jokes for three weeks. Like, you can't help but just be your influences when you're such a in such an embryonic stage. Um, but you know what's funny? I forgot to mention, I... So I moved back to Denver from Chicago to write for the local Alt Weekly, just the local kind of free newspaper in town. I got an offer to write for them. Um, I had been submitting stuff and 
and basically I was freelancing a little bit from Chicago and the, and the editor was like, if you move back, we can use you a lot more. And it, it was way more of a lead than I had in any other career. So I came back and started freelancing more for this newspaper. And I told the editor that I was starting to do stand-up comedy. And she was like, oh, you should write an article about that. And so for about six months, maybe that first six months, I was also taking notes for an article. And then the article came out and, you know, it was a big deal in the scene. But it, and everyone's like, oh, that Adam guy wrote this big article. But it also invoked this skepticism amongst the comedians because uh, they were like, you're a journalist, you're not a comedian. And I was like, no, I'm trying to do both. And it actually kind of like dinged me for the next six months. It was kind of like, oh, the guy who wrote the article. But then I just, I stuck around long enough that people were just like, oh, he's actually a comic. But I remember it definitely put a target on my back and created some jealousy because I had given myself a big boost in the press. Wow, yeah. Kind of, you know, almost like, is this guy just undercover? Right, totally, totally. And I remember those first few mics after the article came out, people were surprised to see me. They're like, aren't you done? Your article's done. And I was like, no, I'm really doing this. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. I know you said you blacked out, but let's say if we can... In going to the back to the show, did you did you tell people about it? Was it like a secret thing or...? I had enough self-respect to keep it 100% secret from friends and family for about... I don't know, half a year, maybe more. That's a long time. Yeah. Wow. Um, I just did it. And and then when the article was going to come out, I told my dad <laughs> and he was like, I want to come because my dad is very supportive. And that was almost what I was afraid of. I have like the best comedy dad. He comes to everything <laughs> and he's like, he loves all my friends. He's, you know, he's got good tastes in comedy. Like Kyle Canane's one of his favorites and Kyle and him are buddies now. And, um, but so I knew my dad would be like at the mic. <laughs> I was like, I don't need to be that guy whose dad's there right away. Um, but yeah, I kept it secret for a while. Well, you don't remember it happening. Do you remember what one of your jokes that night would have been? I remember I have a hyphenated last name, Adam Caton Holland. And I joked about like whichever one of my parents died first, I was going to just remove their name. <laughs> Um, and so it was like a competition for them for longevity, just like whoever outlives the other gets to have their legacy continued. Yeah. Something long. Yeah. But I, I you know, it was phrased funnier, something, something stupid like that. Um, yeah. What do you remember of that night afterwards? Like when you're coming, when you're finishing off now and you're getting a kind of the, the, the welcoming pat on the back and stuff like that. How, how did you approach the rest of the night? Was it just kind of, was there a come down or? Oh, I got fucking annihilated. I got so drunk. And I probably had had three or four just to get the confidence to get on stage. So I just kept going. I closed the bar down with the MC, And um, I remember walking home through like the biggest park in Denver. And I just felt like, I mean, it's impossible not to romanticize, but it felt like life has begun. Like I, I was just like, I felt changed forever. Uh, and I just remember being like, okay, this is, I was just, an electricity was pulsing through me. I, I couldn't wait. I wanted to get on stage the next day no qualms about getting back up this is it you were in you were coming back the next week yeah and in, and in a cheesy way i think it's what i'd been looking for for so many years all the writing the improv the sketch all of it was like i was looking for that rush of the immediate laugh you know mm. and even now i write all sorts of stuff and uh 
it's still, you know, once you get away from standup for too long, you just need that rush. Like right now we're all in quarantine and I really fucking miss it. Yeah. I think about now it's probably three, four weeks for some people. It's like, I've never had a break like this before. It's either going to be the best or the worst gig when we all go back. <laughs> I know. I know. It's going to be a strange one for sure. But yeah, I think, uh, I don't remember anything in particular other than just feeling like life had started finally. A final question then, if if I could take you today, maybe the whole quarantine and everything that's going on aside, but if I could take you today and take you back to that bar, what, what did you say that name of the bar was again? It's called the Lion's Lair. Back to the Lion's Lair, and then you today, pull yourself aside five minutes before you're going on stage. If you could have a little chat with yourself for a few minutes, what do you think you'd, uh, you'd say to yourself in hindsight? <laughs> I'd give myself the closer I have today, and everyone would be blown <laughs> away. They'd be like, how did he get this closer? This is way beyond his years. Uh, I would do that as a nice little trick in the back pocket. But I would also, I, th- I bet a lot of people say this, but I would tell that guy to not sweat the petty small stuff and to uh, try to float above the scene drama and just work. I always, Young comedians always ask for advice and I always tell them there's no advice. Be funny, be cool. That's it. That's it. Be funny, be cool. Don't worry about the rest of it. And when you say float above the scene drama, what kind of what kind of experiences would you think that young comics might come into in those early days that might get in their way? You know, I honestly think it's a it's a growth point that you can chart on your own trajectory of comedy when you sincerely stop being jealous of people. <laughs> when you see your friend get this thing and you're like, "Good for you, man. You're funny and you work hard. You deserve it." Versus, why didn't I get that thing? And I, I don't know when that occurs for comics, but it's, you know, you're trying very hard at a creative endeavor. You see people who are arguably less talented than you getting things before you, and it drives you up the wall, and that's normal. But I think the sooner you can get beyond that pettiness, the better you are as an artist. Uh, and so I, I just would encourage that young comic to not care about oh, who got third place in the local comedy competition versus fourth place? Nobody cares, dude. Just move on and write your jokes, you know? Thank you for chatting with your first gig. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. I appreciate it. It's nice to uh, reminisce during these strange times. Woo, we made it. There we go. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you to Adam Caton-Holland for being a fantastic guest. If you haven't already, guys, go back into the archives what's this episode 13 there's 12 more episodes go back and listen to them they're great and you know what there's gonna be more there's another one coming next week it's gonna be great i know who the guest is i'm not gonna tell you if you want to find out who the guest is first head on over to myfirstgigpod.com and check out our social media channels twitter facebook instagram at myfirstgigpod if you enjoyed listening to my rambles then you can follow me Dwayne dugan at Dwayne dugan i am a very funny boy and a world famous podcaster so if you don't follow me Look, maybe you should keep you entertained with my relentless promo for this broadcast. If you enjoyed Adam's story and you want to check out more, go over and follow him on social media. You can get him on Twitter and Instagram at Caton Holland. That's C-A-Y-T-O-N-H-O-L-L-A-N-D or on Facebook at Adam Caton Holland Comic. If you want to support him, Adam's got some real fun products out. He's got a book, Tragedy Plus Time which is his memoirs. Now, you heard him talk about writing and writing for a paper and writing the articles on the comedy. Well, 
he still has those writing talents and he's put them to good use releasing his memoirs tragedy plus time which his website lists the subject as his sister and his sister's suicide and i thought there was a line that he used that was really nice and kind of makes you understand almost the conflicted mindset that you're going to have when you lose a loved one like that saying that in writing the book he's been in that he's excited and heartbroken heartbroken obviously for the loss of someone you love but excited in the fact that through you know the most harsh manner you know understand how precious life is more than most so to make sure to use it wisely tragedy plus time get that at adamcatenholland.com or tragedyplustime.com it's also on audible if you prefer listening to books i've i've only recently discovered audible and my god i read so much minute i read so much more books now that i don't have to read them it's great check it out and if you want to check out some of his comedy he's got an album out released by comedy central adam Caton holland performs his signature bits and it has just been released by saddle creek records on vinyl which how cool is that that's a goal i would love never mind releasing a comedy album releasing one on vinyl and it's a translucent yellow vinyl whenever i buy vinyl and you know it's more than just a plain black if i buy like an old record my girlfriend got me sergeant peppers for christmas and like i opened that and i was like well thank god this is just black you know if this came out and it was all the colors of the cover as cool as that would look as a vinyl it's not how i want this vinyl to look but i love a decorative vinyl and a translucent orange yellow vinyl for adam caton holland performs his signature bits check it out at saddle-creek.com or you can download the album online now at apple music and i'm assuming wherever you can buy music there we go, Series 2, Episode 3, Adam Caton Holland with me, Dwayne Dugan. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Let's leave it there. Talk to you another time. In fact, next week, next Wednesday, over at MyFirstGigPod.com. See you next time. It's the My First Gig Podcast. Whoa.